Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I'm trading banter with a delusion. The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 211, a.k.a. Three Lives and Counting, is brought to you by Greenleaf Veterinary. Just don't pee on our grass, man. (laughs) Well, Pete, here we are with just a couple of episodes of Jessica Jones left. And uh, here we are. So happy that uh, people are heading over to iTunes, leaving us some reviews. And, uh, of course, making themselves eligible for our, uh, our latest contest. Absolutely. We are raffling off a digital download code to the movie of 2017, Matt. Star Wars The Last Jedi on Blu-ray recently, but here you can get yourself that digital download code. We are going to be raffling that off on Friday night, uh, April 13th. That'll be after we finish Jessica Jones. It's going to be during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, podcast by Fantastic Geek. So you're going to want to check in, tune in, listen to that one, and we'll be announcing some lucky winner's name. Fun, fun, fun. And with that, it's time for some surveillance. Let's see what the episode was all about. Dale is dead and Jessica is overwhelmed, hearing Kilgrave's voice suggesting that it looked like a suicide. She even writes his suicide note and has him jump off the roof. Kilgrave appears applauding. The next morning, Jessica is home. Cheap whiskey doesn't help. And she's got a darn spot of Dale's blood in her jeans. She's still overcome with shock and grief and hears her phone ring. In prison, a new female guard is ready for mutual respect and breakfast with Alyssa. She wants to call her daughter and is given some space. She talks with Jessica about her nice new guard, not like Dale at all. Speaking in code, Jessica admits to having gone out last night, and Mom wants to make sure she cleaned up, you know, the apartment. Later, Jessica showers, the sensation of killed grave in her shower, on her back, and in her head. Then she's out finding the fake passport from Oscar and hallucinates more of Kilgrave's approval of her crimes. She takes the passport to Dr. Carl, but finds only the hallucination of Kilgrave, who notes the bed's not made and he was waiting for her. Dr. Carl appears to have been taken, and Kilgrave urges her to find him and kill him. With that, she's off to the prison, overhearing not-too-sad co-workers mourning, or at least discussing, the late Dale. Marilyn Toussaint introduces herself and even gives Jessica and her mother 10 minutes of alone time. They discuss ghosts of the past, but mostly Carl, who wouldn't just leave. Alyssa figures it was Trish, the bottle blonde witch. Outside the prison, Kilgrave sings, I want your cray cray, and generally acts as a warped conscience, or at least an interior, exterior monologue. He's back at Alias, too, telling Jessica that her two murders were poetic justice, helping Mummy and helping herself. Jessica finds Malcolm's apartment and Trish's sunglasses, while Kilgrave talks of swapping body fluids. She also finds the dating app website and the ability to triangulate Malcolm's location based on the gals on the list. To Trish and Dr. Carl we go at a storage facility and Malcolm in the trunk. Dr. Carl's got the thing. It still looks good eight years later, but is off screen. Trish calls him a failure, though, and ordinary. As they get in the car, a fan wants to snap a pic with Trish, and does while Trish is in the car with Carl. 
Back to Jessica calling the Tumblr Tinder gals, determining that Malcolm is only five blocks away. Cut to Malcolm, five blocks away, getting out of the trunk on his own. He confronts Trish and Carl, painting her as an addict needing her next big fix. She pulls a gun on him, and he seems to be right. With Trish and Carl in the car, Jessica arrives, narrowly missing them twice. Back in prison, Alyssa oversees Marilyn watching a nature program, and the former flashes back to being on a beach with Carl. The beach calms her. While staring at a bay, he says it's taken forever for him to be calm around the ocean. Carl has brought her out to tell her he's shutting down the clinic, but he'll get them a place by the water. In the present day, Jessica castigates Malcolm for helping push Trish down the addict path again. He can't remember anything about Trish's return to the car, and Head Kilgrave castigates him and Jessica. But Malcolm has found the store that they visited, and we see it's a pet store. Feline, distemper vaccine, and an anesthetic were bought by Trish. Jessica intuits that this isn't about the inhaler. Back in IGH, Dr. Carl is proudly back in his old stomping ground. He's a proud papa, ready to make another super, with Trish. She's ready to jump on in with eyes open, to help people who can't help themselves. All this to save the world, despite her fear of needles. Jessica recaps just that, with Head Kilgrave starting to overflow her. She's coming undone. Then Jessica is at IGH, with the procedure midway and not going well. As Jessica tries to break open the window, Trish spits blood. Jessica rages at Carl, and Kilgrave eggs her on to kill. Jessica overcomes the urge to kill and wraps Trish in another hospital gown. Dr. Carl points a gun at the oxygen tanks, taking a big goodbye. It's an awful big explosion. Cut to the hospital where Trish is alive and under care, but could die or be a vegetable. Malcolm feels guilty and Jessica agrees, sending him away. She fires him again and he quits for once. Later, she contemplates everything while Head Kilgrave returns, saying she'd kill again that she's let down her mother, for whom Jessica may be enough. She notes that she can control herself, which makes her more powerful than her mother, than Kilgrave, who will be around if she needs him. Then he's gone. In the prison, Alyssa oversees the television and breaking news. The death of Dr. Carl Malice, last seen on social media with Trish Patsy Walker. Alyssa breaks down, and the sympathetic Marilyn sees if Alyssa needs a medic. Alyssa rages. Marilyn is quickly dead, and the episode ends with Alyssa breaking out of her cell. What suspects are our focus in this episode? Pete, where do we begin? Let's begin with Kilgrave, Matt. No secret at all, and you can see, given the exteriors in this episode, how it would have been impossible to hide David Tennant's inclusion in this show i have to say hats off to the production here for including them how they did uh certainly kilgrave is not a beloved character but tenant of course a beloved actor and i think it would have been one thing to have him in a flashback or you know when there was a flashback episode for episode what was that 207 you know to have him like in the background or in one scene or see her for the first time that all was on the table but to have this notion that She's not all right, of course, and he is still with her in, in, in a weird Jessica-driven psychological way. That's a much better use and, frankly, much more scary use. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think when you get multiple versions of him and that she chokes out uh, this other man thinking it's him, that he really comes to represent this dark side of her personality. Yeah, it's I mean, it's taking the notion of stunt casting. I don't know what I don't know what the chicken and the egg was. Surely they must have checked his availability well in advance of final version of the episode, final script, things like that. Um, but to sit and say, hey, we have a slice of time and we can get David Tennant. Having it not just be he comments on her uh, her actions and whatnot, but to really be this monologue that she's having with herself, but this realization that she still is profoundly, um, has the profound impacts of, of, of what he did to her, both in a comic book sense and in, in a more realistic sense, that's great narrative fuel as terrible as he is. Oh, I, I think that's absolutely the case that you can't assume you're going to get him. And, and then when you do, it's got to be a meaty enough part. And how long are you going to have him for? There's no way they write his name down on this script unless they know they have tenant coming back and just the material that, they're able to get her into and then have him show up at this weakest of moments for Jessica, um, you know, only makes it that much more compelling. And I think it's, it's great that you point that out because we are so used to seeing Jessica with the wall up and with the ability to push people away and punch her way out of a situation and drink her way out of pain that, it really is a portion of Kristen Ritter's acting palette that we have not seen this season where she is so worn down first from the death of Dale and then these hallucinations where acting wise, you're seeing stuff from her that the story just has not called for this season. Listen, um, Kristen Ritter unfortunately won't win an Emmy for this show, but if she would, it would be for this episode. This would be the reel that they would send in. I mean, the acting that she does with her face alone in this episode. And I'm so thankful that we got to see her at Paley Center a couple weeks ago because I'm so mindful now when I watch her act, the, the discussion she had about where Jessica's walk and her voice and everything else comes from. And you really, really see it in this episode. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the best acting she has done thus far, and uh, I guess deserving of the Kilgrave character and deserving of an acting partner like David Tennant to to bring all that out. Matt, we have to put Trish on our list of suspects. Yeah, we do. Uh, I don't know how conscious she is of the downward spiral she... Well, I mean, obviously, as the episode ends, she's on a very downward spiral, given that Story-wise, she might be a vegetable and or die. Um, but certainly she is she is an addict empowered as the episode starts. And that's almost more scary because she's at that place where it's not the it's not the um it's not the huffing that has her acting so crazy. It's not cocaine, it's not alcohol, it's not anything like that. It's it's internal. You know what I mean? It's, uh, mm -hmm. it, is there an addictive, a brain chemistry thing going on? Yeah. But it's not because of the junk in her system. It's because she's not working her way out of the withdrawal and, and, and the absence of it. 
And I mean, my goodness, poor Malcolm, who spends half the episode in the trunk, um, he's he's the victim. Yeah, he's he's perhaps the greatest victim uh, in, in the episode, at least by her hands. I would go one further, Matt. I think that any dignity at this point that Trish had, you know, she's this child star. She suffers the the trappings of that and a and a stage mother. She emancipates herself. She gets it back together. She slides again in the cray cray era. She cleans herself up again, gets this talk show, uh, respectable, seemingly uh, great uh, relationship with Griffin. And here she backslides again. I mean, this is this is the third strike, right? Certainly her trajectory the public persona, what what people in New York must be seeing, uh, you know, on gossip sites and reading about and whatnot. I mean, it's that all all too familiar slide of oh, there's the star in trouble again. You know what? Is she Lindsay Lohan? Will Will uh, Trish start speaking with some imaginary accent next time we see her? I mean, whether it's that, whether it's you know, whether it's. Johnny Depp with some of his alcohol stuff. Kiefer Sutherland is well known that he'll overdo it and smash up a bar and then the next morning when he sobers up, go in and apologize and, you know, pay for the damage. Uh, you know, whether it's Britney Spears and the whole head shaving thing, that's that's how the public in the MCU, that's how the public must be viewing Trish at this point where you go, oh, gee whiz, so sad she's in the hospital. Uh, wow, give me a talk show, give me a record deal, give me an acting career, give me... Uh, you know, at, at 14, money in the bank that I can't access till I turn 18 and stock options and this and that, the other. Wow, life is so difficult, boo-hoo-hoo. Now, we, the viewing audience, see a bit deeper and know some of the context and whatnot. But still, at the end of the day, I mean, there she is, Pete. She was reaching for that golden ring and prepared to, to fall off the horse to do so. Yeah, and I, I both love and loathe the storyline that they're taking us down. I mean, we'll we'll talk in the uh, decrypted segment about what it all means. And I, I think it's fairly obvious, given particularly some of the references in the episode. But, you know, how desperate she is to be like Jessica, that she would go to these links. Well, Pete, moving on to the next suspect, you might not agree with this. Your thoughts here story foul i mean did we need dr carl saying and thus i bring to a conclusion my story arc and i shall point my gun at these tanks of oxygen which lead to the most orgasmic explosion of all time you know it wasn't i don't know how orgasmic that explosion was uh dark dr carl frankenpiss as he's uh you know, labeled here by Jessica, I think perfectly. The actor got the the blowout death he's uh, worthy of. The the character gets to go away. Is the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, and as does his knowledge. Asterisk. The notebook is still out there somewhere. If you want to do stuff with that for the remainder of the season or for next season, but yeah, I I, I agree with you. The story demanded that he has an exit and that the door slams shut. I just kind of felt like, really, you're this one, this one experiment with Trish went bad. 
that's no different than all the lives you ruined previously, but now you got to go because story ends for you. He just seems really soft. Like he's, you know, completely manipulated one way and then manipulated another way. And then, Oh look, there's a bag of Cheetos. Like he just seems like, yeah, man, like whatever happens, free love and universal health care and all that, man. <laughs> So Pete, just for those keeping track, you're saying that the <laughs> universal healthcare people are in the same boat as Dr. Carl. Okay. I'm not. What I what I'm what I'm was parodying is obviously the guy's a hippie. He uh, makes there's repeated reference that he's a pothead. Um, yes, is it is it a quick turnaround from I will use these two square spiky things to uh, puncture you repeatedly? Oh. Now Jess is here. I am a failure. Exit. I must from the story. Boom. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a quick uh, vacillation. Um, but again, this is an actor who's known internationally thanks to Battlestar Galactica. And if you're not aware of the reboot of that show, you need to go back and watch that and, and what he brings to that particular character of Leoben. There's a certain gravitas that comes along with that role and you know probably agent and approval dependent that he get his big moment yeah to springboard him to the next project whatever that'll be uh of clearer villainous intent i i'm sad to say is Alyssa. i felt like there was story space for us to um excuse excuse her to a certain degree but you just know when she is weeping and Marilyn Toussaint enters the, the cell, Ugh. you know, this woman who who is what we say we want in Marilyn. We want, you know, respectful, humane treatment of the least among us, whether it's prisoners or whatever it might be. Obviously, in this case, it's a prisoner. You know, we want that sense of, you know, you must show respect. You must keep order in prison, you know, uh, um, inmate do you need a medic that sort of thing but they're really so, big on their protein too man like are th is there a serious problem with hunger strikes in this prison <laughs> um well that i don't know but i mean just you can't feel sympathy for Alyssa anymore the way this episode ended <laughs> that's how i feel strangely i still do um because she's had this man that she married jessica's stepfather here really um, though not in responsibility, but in name. And um, he, he's been killed. She thinks that Trish has done this. She doesn't know the truth. She already had it out for Trish. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Marilyn pays the price. And I, I think it's tragic, Matt. I, I think that's really where the story has taken it. Uh, it's a tragic turn and that tragedy comes from within the character you know there's the old uh idea somebody will pass by a an accident you know uh, uh something's fallen off a roof and crushed a, a mother or something like that and say it's a tragedy well actually the denotation of the word says no it, it's pathetic is what it is it's it's pure emotion there was no internal flaw that led the mother to walk down the street and get crushed by a beam or whatever. This is all internal because of 
uh, Alyssa and the tremendous job that Janet McTeer has done in this series. Cryptology, where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes. Matt, major, major story flags, fouls, whistles, etc., alarm bells, klaxons. Jessica threw Dale's bloody stuff in his trash can. Hmm. Well, that's difficult to argue against. Um, I guess <laughs> here are our two options for the remaining episodes of which I know nothing. Option number one, that immediately is a tip that something is wrong. Uh, so the absence of, let's say, her taking out the garbage or us, you know, quick shot of her throwing it in the dumpster or dropping it in the river, uh, that absent evidence could meet up with the the positive evidence of the uh, the blood spot on her uh, on her gene. Um, flip side is if the story's done with Dale, we might never return to this. But Pete, you definitely have identified uh, a, a very fair story foul there. I screamed at my TV when this happened in the trash can. Why this show is so good with details and for them to do that. I mean, there was the whole conflicted nature of bringing in Kilgrave and, you know, taunting her ultimately into this choice where she drops the guy on his face. Um, but yeah, that w that was a rough one. So let's let's hope it's story dependent, and you know maybe we end the season with with Jessica, in in hot water again as she is offed. Matt, the medicine here, uh, the the DNA uh, genetic juice. Feline distemper vaccine. I guess they thought some uh, kitty litter wouldn't be uh, too subtle to uh, to transform Trish into what will be Hellcat. It's it's another thing that gives them story options. I think if we if we say in the remaining episodes, um, you know, experiment failed then at least you kind of get that indirect hellcat, you know, feline thing. If we say it, uh, say that it succeeded, well, we get that little nod too. Personally, I'm betting on the latter. I'm betting on some sort of final shot of Trish as she awakes and her eyes glow yellow and something like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of one of these story things. You could have it either way, certainly on this viewing. I think there's an argument to be made where you don't give Trish superpowers, but I think that just it's a better season three to have the, the superpowered sisters. So that's where I think things are headed. Matt, uh, let's flash back to October of 2015, where I distinctly remember somebody sitting behind you applauding furiously saying, oh, my God, she's going to be Hellcat. Uh, totally agree. Here's the problem. I've been going back and listening to our, to our podcasts when they release. And here's the thing, Pete, I always give 110% for my theories. And I feel like a lot of the time I'm able to intuit what is going to happen. And then my gut tells me the complete opposite. <laughs> so the fact that I think that's why I say, I think Trish will become Hellcat because I think 
they're going to underplay it and not have Trish become powered. And I think she's going to get through it. And, oh, all this junk has left my system and now whatever, whatever. Uh, so I'm not going to listen to that voice and instead expect expect uh, the, 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 the powered sisters for season three. Who would have thought this show would be late in its second season and Hellcat was not a thing yet? Oh, I would have. Really? Yes. I, I, I would have. I would have said they'll be doing it in the first season. I think the temptation was do it right away and that they've done this slow burn and they've deconstructed Trish's character in so many great ways. Um, You know, the, the layered backstory of the child star this season with the, the music aspect. I mean, what, what in between could we examine for season three, if that is truly the way they're going to hand it off and, and not go to Hellcat yet. Um, I really appreciate the restraint they've shown. I Maybe I'm overly colored by um, Jeff Loeb's comments back, uh, you know, when the first season was being teased at New York Comic Con. He, he presented a sort of aw shucks like, well, Jessica needs a best friend. And then we look deep into the Marvel uh, you know, the, the Marvel stable, and we said, wait a minute, it's Patsy, Trish Walker. It gives us potential for the future. But we're just starting with, you know, a best friend that happens to be, you know, all, pre- to predate all other Marvel characters and a neat little character in our stable. Um, maybe I'm overly going with that as opposed to she was always going to become Hellcat eventually uh, if there were enough seasons. I guess bottom line is this, Pete. I don't feel that there's a mandate for her to get there, which is why I'm not trusting myself, which is why I think we're going to get there by the end of the season. Second guess, Matt. Hashtag second guess, Matt. It's like, I don't know. It's like the compass is broken, but it's broken just north to south. So you want to go north, go south. Certainly, Pete, we will find out in the next two episodes. Uh, I'm confident in that one way or the other. Either Trish is powerless or... You know, meow, Hellcat's on the way. Let's check our mail drop. Here's what you have to say, Pete. Matt got a message on the Twitter here from Norman T. Bates. That's at BNorman46. And he wrote, I'm trying to become a Patreon. Great podcast. I get a blank screen when I click on the link. Help? Question mark. So I was asking him if that was to our website, which we both looked into, Matt and myself, and seems to be working. Uh, although I directed him, just go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and uh, you can enter Fantastic Geek. That's another way to find us. And he was able to find that. Uh, he said, done, you are welcome. And, you know, I thanked him so much. He said, you're quite welcome. You have earned it. Smiley face emoji. Well, that brings a smile to my face, certainly, Pete. Glad glad he's entertained. Glad he's willing to, uh, willing, willing to show that in multiple ways. So uh, thank you very much there, Norman. So, Pete, how is it that Norman was in touch with you on Twitter? 
He found me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R 9,845 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast any way you like. Comment at fantasticgeek.com. Email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram as well, where we are Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. Lots of discussion of Jessica Jones season two over there as well. Not to mention Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all of the Marvel movies that we have in the Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek. So you definitely, particularly at this time of year, as things crank up, want to be involved. Well, Pete, here it is April. Before you know it, we'll be back in a couple days for episode 212. We'll be back by the end of the week for episode 213. This time next week, we'll be wrapping season two. This season has shot by, but luckily uh, there still are a couple episodes left for us to uh, continue our podcast adventures with. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. What a difference a guard makes. 